0: I want to do something that I don't often do. Actually, I don't remember the last time that I've done this, but would you grab your Bible and go to Psalm chapter 119? Psalm chapter 119. If you don't have a Bible, maybe you have an app on your phone, or you can just listen. But Psalm chapter 119, I want to start the service with us together singing or reading out this passage of Scripture, all of it. Just kidding. At least you got it, Murray. Thank you. Thank you. I want to read one verse this morning, and I don't know that this is something that we'll do every single week, but uh, I just want to do this this morning. Psalm 119 and verse verse 18, I want to do this together aloud. And so if you have a copy of God's Word, we will read that. And it says this, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. This morning, maybe that would be the cry or the prayer that God would open our eyes, that God would allow us to behold, to see the wonderful things of God's word this morning. And so I pray that we would do that today. I want to encourage you as we start this morning. Don't we like encouragement? Let me encourage you. You will experience a great amount of pain in your life. Now you can go home encouraged. No, we will. We will all experience pain in our lives. Some of that pain is completely out of our control, right? There's accidents that happen, maybe whether it's a car accident or whatever it would be, but you've been in an accident. Maybe it's downsizing at the office that you have nothing to do with. Maybe it's a natural disaster. Maybe it is an illness. And we can go on and on of things that are literally completely out of our control that will cause pain in our lives. There's other pain in our lives that we control, right? By our decisions, by the choices that we make, we will, uh, it's almost self-inflicted, if you will. Maybe it's the pain of obeying your parents today over the pain of the consequence that comes tomorrow, right? Maybe it is the pain of dealing with and living outside of our financial means right now, Or the pain of dealing with the debt and the things that come with that down the road. Maybe it is the pain of not studying for a test. How many of you did not study for a test? Can I do this? Like, I never studied. I did not study one time until I got to college. Don't clap. That is a really bad thing. (laughs) I didn't study one time until I got to college, and I went to college when I was two years out of high school. So I had not sat in a class for two years. And I get to college and my wife, at the time we were dating and we went to school and I couldn't just show up and pass the class. And so we sat down and we would go to the, a place that we could study and we would sit down and all right, let's go through this thing. And I would start going through this thing and next thing you know, I'm talking about what's going on over here. And she's like, Aaron, that is not what we're doing here. It would, she had, I don't know, she kept her hair, but she had to have pulled her hair out trying to help me study to get through college because I was not a good student. But the pain of studying over the pain of the fail or retaking the class again. How many of you had to retake a class in college? Anybody be honest? I did. I had to retake a class in college. You had to take it twice. I did not have to do it twice. I actually got a really good grade the next time because I had a really good teacher and it was... Any anyway, rate, you don't care. but there is pain self-inflicted that we would the, the pain of doing what we need to do the first time, or the pain of taking the consequence the second time. We are essentially the sum total of the decisions that we have made." I mentioned that, that quote at the beginning of this series, "We are essentially the sum total of the decisions that we have made. Choices matter, would you agree? Our choices, our decisions matter. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number 28 says this this morning. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. If I choose no rule in my spirit, in my life today, if I choose to live and do whatever I want, I am basically living day-to-day, self-destructing, just waiting for it to happen. That's kind of what we choose to do. Oftentimes, we as Christians do that. People that don't know the Lord do that. But oftentimes, we live a life that is no rule. There's no self-discipline. There's no self-control. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11 says this, and I'll tie these together in a moment. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their hearts, or literally, he has put eternity in their heart, in our hearts, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. We are created with eternity in mind. God has set it in our heart for eternity in mind. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody about eternity that does not know Christ? Do they have eternity in mind in some way, shape, or form? Well, no, but yes. Because if you were to ask them, what would they say? Well, it's all going to work out at the end. Or I'll be good enough. Or they make some kind of a statement. Have you ever been to a funeral and they've said what? They're in a better place. We often, we, we speak of those things. We as believers speak of it differently with intentionality, with a hope, with all of those things. But even somebody that does not believe would speak of eternity in some way, shape, or form. Because why? God created us that way. He created us in that regard. I would say this though. Though we are created that way, though you and I as believers know and have eternity in mind, we often don't live with eternity in mind. I'm not living today with necessarily eternity in mind, oftentimes in my daily decisions and what I'm doing, because I'll be okay today. I'll fix that tomorrow. Did anybody like me think when they were 15, 16, 17, 18, 20, whatever years old, you thought, well, I'll stop that when I become an adult? One day I won't do this anymore. And now you're twenty years past that and you still struggle with some of those same things? Because we can't. That's not, we're not living with eternity in mind. We can't just shut those things off sometimes. I, I, I said this early on, self-control is a choice, uh, or I believe that self-control is a choice, and we talked about that over these last few weeks with purpose and with surrender. As we would surrender our lives to God, it is a choice that we can make. I loved this statement, and we'll, talk, we'll touch on it a couple times throughout this morning's sermon. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. These are decisions that we, we can make. These are choices that we have. See, I would say this, the choice to seek God daily. I have that choice. There's also a, 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 a pain of today of che- seeking that. There's also a pain of tomorrow in seeking that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that, ha- he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and it says this, and he that, is a, re- er, that he is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. It is a decision. It is a choice that we have to diligently seek God and receive the reward that he has for us in doing so. It is a choice that we have that we can know him In our lives, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. It is a choice to seek him, it is a choice to know him. It is a choice. Have you ever asked this out of Psalm chapter 139? Search me, O God. That ought to be a daily cry of ours. God, would you search me? God, would you try me? God, would you reveal in me? What does it say? Know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Have you ever prayed that prayer and then literally like in the days to come, you're like things come to your mind that you never had thought of? Or maybe you're watching a TV show that you have been watching and you're like, maybe I shouldn't. I've done that. God, would you search me? Show me the things that I don't even realize that I'm doing. And as I'm doing that, I'm like, why am I doing this? And God just begins to reveal those things to you. You know, that's a choice that we make as believers. See, the simple thought might be that it's simply saying no to self and surrendering to him as far as it comes to disciplined life of self-control. It's a surrender It's an obedience, but it's it's hard. Those are our children. If you all wouldn't have so many of them, we wouldn't have this problem. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I have four of them, so I'm right there with you. (laughs) But yeah, anyway, Uh, no, it's a surrender. It's an obedience. Self-control and discipline is ultimately a surrender and an obedience. I want to share a story with you. I was reading a book. As much as I I had a hard time studying, I am doing better in reading now. Uh, But anyway, you don't care. So I was reading this book, and as I'm reading this book, one of the stories that came out of it was this. There was a pastor that was sharing the gospel with his friend. And this pastor, as he would continually share the gospel with his friend, uh, the friend came to this place, and he says, Hey, pastor, I think I figured it out. He looks at him and he says, this is what I've come to. And he says, I get everything that you're saying. I get all that you're talking about. He goes, but here's the thing. If I do this, this is a surrender. The pastor's like, you know, yeah, you're getting it. You're getting it. He goes, but here's my problem. I don't know if I'm ready to surrender everything. And the pastor, okay, okay. Okay. Well, that's what it is, right? This, giving your life to Jesus, asking Christ to come into our lives is a complete surrender. So they walk away, they go their separate ways and and several several times later, they're talking weeks later, months go by and they have this conversation again and the the, the gentleman comes back to the the pastor and he says, "Pastor, I really I, I have to I want to share this with you because I think I've figured this out." And he goes, the other day, I was pulling into my garage. I was going into the driveway, going into the garage, and as I get out before I close the garage door, I heard this moaning, this wail, this like cry of help coming from outside. And so I, I go outside, and I, I kind of directed towards where I thought I heard the sound, and up on the neighbor's roof was a, a young man who had been trying to clean out his gutters. He was cleaning out his gutters, and he got paralyzed on the roof, and he would not come down. Have you ever gotten scared? I'm have you ever gotten scared on a roof where your toes just can't reach the ladder anymore but you just got to go that one little inch further? So he's paralyzed on the roof and the guy runs over and he begins to climb up the ladder and he's talking to this guy and he's trying to say, "Hey, he's helping him to get down." And after 5 minutes, he looks at the guy and he says, "Listen. You're either going to come down one way or another. I'm going to help you down or you're getting down on your own." Because after this period of time, this this guy was not letting him help him. He was just scared. Eventually, he allowed him to help him down. He comes safe. He goes back home. But he goes to the pastor and he says, Pastor, I'm the guy on the roof and I just need to surrender and allow God to carry me to where he needs to. See, our life when it comes to this, now eventually that gentleman came to know Christ. He got baptized later. I don't know the rest of the story, but I know the, those things from what I read. But see, here's the reality for all of us is it's a matter, self-control, discipline in our lives as believers is a matter of surrender to God. It's a matter of surrender. It starts in salvation, a surrender in salvation. I had the opportunity this week to to speak to one of our uh, a, a family and one of their children that wants to come to follow the Lord in baptism. So it's a salvation moment. But then what's that next step of obedience is, is baptism, that they would publicly make that, that known to the church, that they would say, yes, I'm a follower, and I want to follow in believers' baptism. And after that, it's a constant spiritual growth. We would call it discipleship or mentorship, whatever, but it's a constant spiritual growth that we would desire to know God. But all of those steps are steps of surrender and steps of obedience. It's a constant, out of that is a daily surrender. It's a daily, nonstop saying, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I'm surrendering to you that our lives become more and more disciplined, more and more self-controlled in him. It's also the same on the opposite side. We can deny Christ. So there's some that would deny him. What's that look like? God, I don't, I, I hear it's this guy, the, the pastor sharing the gospel. I get it, I get it. I just have to surrender, Fortunately, that guy surrendered and said, God, I need you. Many don't ever do that. They deny it. And what do they say? I am okay. I will do this, I am okay, and I will, I will not surrender. Listen, there's the same that happens in this church. Some of you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will not surrender at all and say, God, I am willing. Others of you know Jesus as Savior and completely surrender and say, God, though I'm not perfect, I'm doing all that I can to seek your face, to ask you to show me to do those things. We have that in the church. There's some of you that might sit here and you've never just surrendered in salvation. You would be in that. I'm doing okay. It'll all work out in the end. And it has to start with that surrender for you. But it's here. I would ask you this question. Am I God or is he? If you look in the mirror, is it me or is he God? As we look at self-discipline, Matthew 22 says it this way in verse 37 to 39. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. It starts with loving God. Out of loving God, then I love others. Where do you fit into that mix? (laughs) You know where I struggle with self-control and discipline? Because it's like loving God and loving Aaron are really close up here. And then others fall in somewhere. You know what I'm most undisciplined or having a lack of self-control is when I'm up here and God others and it's just kind of in there. Because it has to start with God being first. God created us with eternity in mind. Some would say that's we have a hole in our heart and we fill it with happiness, we fill it with all these things that will get us the, the immediate satisfaction of today. But it's ultimately needed to be filled with who? With God. And until that is there, we're literally leaving or living a life with our walls completely broken down, able, just, we're, we're, we're self destructing. We just don't see it, we don't realize it. I don't, I've never done this, but I'm going to give you a quote from Madonna it's very very godly quote but i believe it makes an absolute perfect she was in an interview and most of you i'm everybody knows madonna madonna does what whatever she can to push the envelope to make you shocked oh my but listen to what madonna said in this interview my drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, but then I feel I'm still mediocre and I'm uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I have to prove that I am somebody. But listen to this statement. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will her struggle is what? I've got to fill that hole, that eternal hole. I've got to have happiness. I've got to have these things because I want to be somebody. And she comes to the end and she says, once I become really famous and awesome and everybody thinks I'm great, but then I become boring because it's now been the same thing for six months. I have to do something else to become more in the spotlight again. And then I have to do something else, and she says what? But my struggle has never ended, and it never will. So many people live their life that way with that hole, and they fill it, and they fill it, and they fill it, and they fill it. All they're doing is they have a life that has no walls, and they're, wa- they're just living, and destruction is waiting to happen. This morning we're talking about discipline self-control. If you came today looking for me to give you five steps as to how you can be more self-disciplined at your workplace and at your home so that you can get more things accomplished, I uh, am not doing that today. Um, There are lots of self-help books that will give you all of the things that you need to be more productive at work, and I will guide you in any way that I can. I don't know. I have a lot of books in my office. Help it yourself. But no, but I'm not doing that. That's not the heart. The heart is this. 1 Timothy chapter four and verse number seven says this. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. I am to strive with everything in me to live a godly life. And I believe, as we go through this morning's sermon, or the passage this morning, that I believe that there's things within this not necessarily the the five steps of being more productive at work and more productive in your life, that if we do these things and our focus is eternity, our focus is God, our focus is that, that all of the small steps of discipline, of self-control, really work themselves out. You know why I feel that I go to the five steps of whatever to become more whatever? is because it's a whole lot easier. High school was pretty easy. I didn't study. God watched way I can sit in a class, I can memorize, I can take notes. I'm good. College was a whole different world. Because it wasn't one chapter, it was 20 chapters. Memorize that. Ah, can't do it. It was a whole new discipline for me. It wasn't easy. I didn't really enjoy it. And so as we go through this, I believe when we focus our life on godliness and we're striving for godliness, that works itself out in the self-control and the daily disciplines of our lives because of what the focal point is. It's him and he wraps that. The point that we've used all this series or the statement is living in the fear of God empowers us to choose purpose and surrender to the Lord, causing us to live a disciplined life, which we're talking, and next week we'll talk about leaving a godly legacy. Hebrews chapter 12 this morning, that was a really long introduction. I think I've done that every week this week, or this sermon series, so... uh, We've got about 10 minutes to get in, about 45 minutes worth of work, so we're good. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Wherefore, seeing we also... For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Father, I ask you today, use your words to tug upon the hearts of those that are here. God, that your word would be what is remembered. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. A couple simple thoughts this morning. In order to live a disciplined life, We must choose to join the race. We must choose to join the race. We are in the middle of a race. Whether we look at it as a race, we'll touch on it as a race because that's what this passage speaks of, but if we look at it as a race or if we want to look at it as a fight, if we want to look at it as a, uh, a war, Ephesians 6 speaks of it as a war that we are in, so we can look at it in all of these, these realms, but we are in the midst of a race. The problem is many people have, chosen, have yet to surrender themselves into the race or to admit or know that they are in a race. How many of you know somebody outside of the church, outside of Christianity, if you will, that would speak of things, that talk about problems, that talk about all these things, but they don't look at it from a spiritual perspective? Right? Most of our friends outside of church talk about everything going on and they don't look at it at all from a spiritual perspective. They don't look at it from that way, therefore they won't talk of it that way. Makes sense? I'm talking to friends about whether, whatever it is I come from a perspective from God's word. They don't have that. They've never entered the race because they don't look at it as being in a race. This is just life. Yeah, it's a marathon, and they'll use that language, but they don't understand the war that they are in, the fight that is actually taking place. You know, there's people inside of this church and in churches all around the world, all around the country that do not realize that they are really in a race, a spiritual race. I'm not saying that to be degrading but I believe there's a lot of people that enjoy being a part of but they're not involved in it's cool to come to church it's fun to go to the race hey yeah oh we even raised our hands and we had fun and the pastor was funny or he wasn't funny or he was this or he wasn't that and we have all of those things but there's people that sit in our chairs right and it's, they're here on a regular basis, but they're not in it. But then there's others that are in it. They're engaged in the race. They are running the race. I say this this morning, that in in order to be and to live a disciplined life, we must choose to dive into the race, to realize the race that we are in and plug in. We have to. And I'm not speaking of just serving in children's and all of those other things. I'm talking spiritually speaking. I have to choose to get serious and dive into this thing called this race of life, this Christian life that I'm living. I have to dive in. Amos chapter 6 and verse number 1 says this, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Literally, woe to them that are sitting up on the mountain, they're trusting the mountain of Samaria. I'm comfortable up here. Everything's all right. We're good. Woe to them. Woe to the person that's comfortable just sitting in church on Sunday morning and doing absolutely nothing. God is not asking for more fans in the seats. He is seeking your participation. What happened when God got really, really serious? Jesus was down on the earth. Jesus is getting really serious and the crowds are getting larger and larger and larger. And he says, eat of my body. Like he looks at them and says, hey, drink my blood and eat my flesh. <laughs> that's kind of creepy, but did Jesus not do that? Hey, you need to do this, and they all said, peace, (laughs) and they were gone. Next thing you know, what did he do? He turned around, he asked the disciples, are you two going to leave? Are you leaving as well? He doesn't need more people cheering on. He wants people in the race, and I'm asking you today, are we in the race? I'm pleading with you, would you jump in? Would you take serious the race that we are in? We are called to run with endurance, this passage says. We would continue when it isn't easy and when it isn't comfortable, that we would be steadfast, that we would endure. Are you in the race? Are you wearing the armor of God if we were to take it and the fight? We're in a war. Are we we ready? Are we prepared? Are you prepared to run the race? It's not a competition against each other. I think sometimes we think our, our, our competition is the church down the street. I'll promise you right now, if you're coming here, I'm not in competition with any church down the road. God is calling me to do a work right here at Oasis Baptist Church, and I don't, it's, I'm not in any competition. If you go down the street, because that's where God calls you, I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to have a conversation with you, and I want to make sure that you are spiritually in the right decision, but I want you to follow God, and I'm not in competition with any of them guys. As a matter of fact, we're on the same team doing the same exact thing. I might do it different than they do. You ought not be in competition with the person beside you. I got a lot of other things to deal with than worried about how good you are spiritually and how much I'm better than you. That's not the race that we're in. We're not in that competition. The competition is against Satan and his system of sin. What we're talking about in this self-control, this discipline against a system, if you will, a system of sin, it becomes personal. How am I doing? Galatians chapter 5. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the, fle- or the the for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. They are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. It is a race to walk in the Spirit knowing the fight that we are in. And it also says that we would endure by what? How are we going to endure? How am I going to do this? By laying aside all of the weight, the junk, the sin that's so easily besetting us. But if I've never chosen to dive in and I'm never choosing to understand where I'm at in this race, I just keep doing the things that fill my little hole to make me happy today. And I'm going to be destroyed eventually. The consequence will come. We have to lay aside that weight. God has designed me as this individual at a hundred and whatever pounds that I am. You like that? So he didn't design me to add the 10 and 15 and 20 and 30 and 40 pounds of extra I can't run that race with all that extra weight on me I have to leave that to him I have to surrender that to him I have to choose that so that I can run the race that God has called me to run do not carry that weight but he also says not only that but he says hey just let me remind you let me encourage you you're not doing this alone the very first line in that passage of scripture in chapter number 12 and verse one, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Hey, we're doing this thing. You've got, what, what is the chapter right before chapter 12 is what? 11, good job. What is that? The hall of faith. It's the heroes of the faith. They're writing and saying, hey, these people, all of those are above. They've moved before. They are gone on before you. They're cheering you on. Listen, you've got people cheering you on. You have people that are in this room cheering you on. But there's people, the angels, there's others that are cheering us on, encouraging us on. You're not doing this alone. Continue to press on. Choose to dive in and engage in the race. In order to live a disciplined life, we must choose to follow the example. I think we have a pretty awesome example. Verse number two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before us. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is your creator. He is the one who formed you. He is the one that knew you before you were ever in your mother's womb. He is the creator that has a plan for you, though you may not see it or understand it. The race that we live in, the race that we are in, must, we must keep our eyes on him. It's not looking down. It's not looking this way. It's not looking that way. It's not looking backwards. It's looking forward. Romans chapter 7 is one of my favorite passages of scripture, partially because I call it the Dr. Seuss passage in the Bible. But I think some of it is just because it's, it's, it's who I am, and I think it's who all of us are as people, And it says this, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. So I do the things that I hate. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, my flesh, there's no, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. Anybody ever struggle with that? I'm struggling because I know it, but I'm not doing it. My flesh, I'm I'm weak in that area. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. And Paul says this, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And I say that and I give you that passage of Scripture because as we look at this and as we choose to follow a godly example, as we choose to follow, not a godly example, as we choose to follow Christ, the example, I I think like Paul, there's often times in my life that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do I not. But I hate, that's what I do. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am. How many times I've stood before God and said, God, I feel worthless. God, I have failed you. God, I have let you down. God, I am wicked. God, I am wretched. But God, I thank you (laughs) through Jesus Christ. See, as we look at this thought of self-control and discipline and can I do this, as we choose to follow that example, Paul was frustrated with decisions that he is making. But he said, God, I thank you. He recognized only in God and not in his flesh would he honor the Lord. He could not live a disciplined life outside of that focus, outside of that. It isn't easy, but in him it is possible. See, it's not so much that when we choose to follow God and we choose to surrender it all to God, I think in my life sometimes I've thought, okay, God, here it is. Now everything bad is gonna wipe itself away, right? <laughs> no. I'm still gonna see it. I'm still gonna face it. I'm still gonna go through that life, but here's the difference. It is now how I see it. I still see it, but it's that I'm seeing it differently. I recognize it differently differently. We are walking in him, we see with the right perspective. When our eyes are on the Lord, the Holy Spirit has the perfect opportunity to use us, to get us running, to do the things that he's called for us to do. We need to focus on the author and finisher, the completer, the perfecter of our faith. Hebrews chapter ten or two and verse 10, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation, perfect through suffering he is the author but also the chief the main the prime example he's the one who carries it all through to completion see we look to god because he's jesus christ ran the race but he didn't just stop he ran it to completion he ran it to perfection he endured the cross despising the shame we have an example we have a picture to look at we're not running it alone You have an example of discipline, of self-control. Jesus Christ was obedient and surrendered to the Father. He ran a disciplined life focused on the Father. Why? Again, if I go back to the statement that I used earlier, discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. I would ask you the question, what do you want most? Jesus had a goal. There was a focus, and he chose to live a life discipline self-control because there was an end game there was a focus of honoring god i wonder if we lived a life focused on the things that were the most important with him in the mind that eternity in mind i choose i choose to join the race i'm choosing to follow a godly example or to follow the example and i'm lastly i'm choosing to finish the race this is really the heart of this entire sermon this morning, and I believe that it it does a, it does pulls it together. If we look in chapter 12, in that verse number 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, it says this, "...who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God." What was the joy that was set before Jesus Christ on this earth? Being with his father, there was an ultimate joy. But when Jesus came to earth, the goal was what? He was, it was salvation. He was dying on a cross by being beaten. I don't know if you told me that was the end game for me. Hey, Aaron. Uh, just so you know, in 20 years from now, you're going you're gonna to be faithful and people are going to, you know, whatever. But someone's going to beat you up you're going to die. I'm like, eh, that doesn't sound fun. There was, an, there was obviously a, a bigger, I'm not being somewhat facetious with that. But what was the joy that was set before him? See, when you run a race, there's a goal, there's an end game, there's a joy, there's a reason. Running a race, it's a medal, it's a prize, it's a wreath, it's whatever that is. For some people, it may be a, there's a personal thing. I'm setting a goal that I'm going to run this 5K, I'm setting a goal that I'm going to run a marathon, I'm setting this goal, whatever it is. I'm not necessarily, I know I'm not going to win because I'm not beating that guy who runs like a four minute mile, but I'm going to, I have a goal. There's a joy that is set before us to run the race that we have to run. I'll be really honest. The race that is mentioned here is a, is a race of life. It is not so much the, the most exciting, fun thing. It is not a race you just jump into for pleasure or honestly you wouldn't even join. Jesus did not run the race for pleasure. There was a great satisfaction along the way. I believe God allows us to experience, but Jesus did not leave the Father's presence and glory to endure temptation, suffer, ridicule, blasphemy, torture for a few pleasures on the earth. Does that make sense? What is the joy that we run for? What is the prize at the end That is keeping us faithful in the race. John chapter 17, Jesus really gives his joy. The goal, if you will. The reason. And he says this in John 17 in verse number 4. I would encourage you to read John 17 as often as you can. I love that passage of Scripture, Jesus' prayer. But he says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. See, Jesus' reward was by glorifying his Father while on the earth. He glorified God by totally exhibiting the Father's attributes, by doing the Father's will. Today, it's no different. I can live a life as we're talking of self-discipline, of, of a disciplined life. I can do all of these things. Obviously, he threw me. But we can have discipline in our lives as we understand the reward is not Here. The joy that is set before me is not the next bigger house. It is not the next nicer car. It is not those things that are temporal that are here. Those are not bad things. But that's not the joy that is set before us. Jesus said the joy that was set before him in chapter 17 of John was that he glorified his Father upon the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. God, I have glorified you. You can have discipline. Yes, God will allow us to see the things. How many of you have experienced amazing things from God? I feel like God has allowed me to see things that I never should have been able to see in my time as a Christian in my young life. That God was like, hey Aaron, I'm going to let you see that. And I never should be able to experience. But how many of you have also experienced great pain in Heartache on the other end of that. Yeah. See, the, the joy wasn't just that. He gives us those things because I think he's just good. And he's kind and he's loving and he's gentle and he's all of that. There's going to be pain and failure and struggle. But here's where it's at for all of us as we look at this. The prize for you and I as a Christian is not heaven if we are truly christians if we belong to the family of god by faith in jesus christ heaven is already ours we run the race we run for the same exact prize that jesus ran for and we achieve it in the same exact way that he did we run for the joy of exalting god that's what we're here for (laughs) The joy that is set before us is the same that it was set before God. That God, I am I'm living my life so that I would exalt you, so that I would glorify you, so that I would praise you in every circumstance. Paul speaks of it all the time, in the good and the bad. All the time. Why? And how does it happen? The same way that we glorify God by allowing His attributes to shine through us and by obeying His will in everything that we do. Self-discipline, self-control. If my aim in life is to honor and glorify Him, to exalt the Father in all that I do by Gaining those attributes and living those out through my life. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. The discipline that's in your life will come under control. Because why? As we read early on in 1 Timothy, we are exercising our life unto godliness. And as I'm exercising my life unto godliness, the things that are causing me... That are in undisciplined in my life that is causing me to have a lack of self control will eventually weed itself out because you are striving to know God. You are striving to implement the attributes of God, the fruits of the Spirit. We're we're striving to know Him, and as we are striving to know Him and saying, "God, I'm choosing to ask you today. Would you show me?" As He shows me, I begin to take those and I begin to push them out because they are in the way of knowing and loving God. And if I'm Loving God, I cannot allow those things in my life. I'm gonna get rid of those things. And he says in chapter number three, or in verse number three, sorry. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Have you ever gotten to that place where you're weary? You're tired. You're done. And Paul, or... In this writing here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3, all of this was done. For consider him, he endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Why? Lest you would be weary and lest you would faint. He took all of that on so that we could know him and see him and experience him and we would not be weary. And we would not fall and faint. This morning, I know I didn't give you maybe all of the points. To, if you do these five things, you're going to have a self-disciplined life. But I genuinely believe with everything in me that as we fall in love with God and we begin to choose to exercise our lives unto godliness. As we begin to choose to dive into this race and take serious the race that we're in, as we begin to choose to follow the example that God has given us, that we would finish our race, that we would come to the end and we could stand just like Jesus stood as he was crying out, as he was praying in John chapter 17. God, I have finished my race, but God, I have glorified you in heaven. Would you now glorify me? God, I'm doing, I'm doing everything. I've done what I can. I'm striving. I'm seeking. I wonder today. For some, if it would be a reset. For you as a believer, you're sitting here and you would say, yes, Aaron, I, I know Christ is Savior. I, I, I believe with everything in me that I have I've given, but maybe, maybe there's an area I've been praying that, God, you would show me things. Uh, Somebody mentioned something this morning after the 8.30 service. Hey, uh, this is something that's been on my heart for two and three weeks, and I just never said anything to you, but I I can't not say it. I have to share this. Maybe it's something like that, and it's not necessarily a sin. This was a very, it was a good thing. He just was nervous, didn't want to tell me, because it was a step of obedience for him to then act upon that. Maybe you're in that situation. It's that God has been stirring in you. And it's a surrender. It's a complete surrender. It's a total surrender. And I'll promise you as you, excuse me, I'll promise you that as you give your life to the Lord, the surrender changes day to day. (laughs) The more that I walk in obedience, the more that I feel like he's saying, "Uh, all right, this one's next. And you're like, oh, I'm not ready for that one, God. (laughs) I don't wanna give that one up yet. Or maybe I'm not ready to take that step yet. For me, early on in life, it was, I, I knew that God had called me to ministry. I just wasn't ready to say yes to the ministry. I was comfortable in my own world. But as I walked in obedience to him, it was the next step. It was the next step. It was the next step. Maybe that's where you're at. It's that next step, that surrender, that next step. Maybe your surrender is simply that of salvation. I've heard the gospel, I, I know the gospel, I, I've been share, somebody has shared it with me before, but I've never, I'm like the guy that was on the roof, I've never just surrendered everything, and God, I understand that I need to surrender everything to you, and say, God, would you be the Lord of my life? I know that this morning isn't the most mind blowing thing that you've heard, especially if you've been in church your whole life. But I do believe with everything in me that if our heart attitude is focused on Him and eternity, then all the other pieces begin to slowly fall into place. Because it starts here. It's here. I can give you all of the X, Ys, and Zs that I want to. But if this isn't right, those X, Y's, and Z's will never fulfill what you're ultimately looking for, which is filling the hole, which is that peace and the joy and the comfort and all of the things that God has promised us because that's how he wired
1: us. We just want to thank you again for joining us today. We pray that the service has been an encouragement and a blessing to you. Here at Oasis, we have a desire to walk alongside of you, to be a partner in your walk with the Lord. So if you had made any decision today, we would love to celebrate and pray with you. So if you can please do us a favor and fill out a connect form or text decision to the number provided below. Oasis is supported by faithful people like you. So if you have a desire to give to the mission and ministry of Oasis, you can text give to the number provided below. Click on the give link or mail in your gift to the church office. Lastly, we have a desire to pray for you. So if you have a prayer request, you can email us at prayer at oasislv.church. Church, as we saw today and will continue to see, living in the fear of God empowers us to choose purpose, and it helps us surrender to the Lord. It causes us to live a disciplined life, leaving a godly legacy. So let's go and leave a legacy of a passionate follower of Christ.